What's happening? This is the Tap In Podcast. We are live inside the Tap In studio. And I got a special guest in the building, man. Um, I found this guy on YouTube. And his story was just so um, captivating. I was like, I got to have him on, man. He, it's a redemption story. JC, man, welcome to uh, Tap In, man. What's up, man? I'm blessed to be here, man. Yeah, man. Put that, put that microphone a little into it. Yeah, there uh, you go. I'm going to feel like I'm rapping now. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. feel blessed to be here today. Yeah, man. You look good, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you look good. You working out a lot, huh? Uh, every day, you know. I need to get on me a, a regimen, man. Some I got kinda, you. I got you. Some kind of something. I was working out, um, me and my wife and my sister-in-law, we were working out like three days a week and just trying to get the, the, the cardio. Oh my goodness, man. I was like, this, I did it for two months. I stuck with it for two months and I was like, I know I got to keep going. And then I hurt my knee and that fucked me all up, man. <laughs> that messed me all up. It's a, it's a. It's like you gotta make it part of it's a lifestyle. I always tell people you gotta make it part of your life in order to be able to appreciate the change and how you feel. Mm. So it just has to be done every day, man. You know, it it doesn't have to be at a hundred percent like me, but I got a lot of my clients that you know they they I call it the eighty twenty. Mm, okay. You know what's the eighty and what's the twenty? Clean eighty percent, twenty thirty. So they get to eat whatever they want. You know, they're not they're not staying completely like like me right now. I would love to eat some stuff here that I'm in Dallas right now, but I can't because yeah. I'm getting ready for for the big shows. Ah, uh, okay, okay, man. I loved your story, man. Um, I want I want to I want to start from the beginning though, man. You from Chicago, right? Yeah, born and raised. Okay. Are you from like the South Side, North Side? I don't know. Like South Side. South Side. Okay. <laughs> I feel like everybody's from the South Side, that's, man. That's where all the thugs are at. <laughs> <laughs> man, and so you, I, I seen that you say um, somewhere you were 11 years old and you started getting into gangs. Yes, sir. How did you like, what was the, uh, how, how did you 11 years old? Because my son is 11 right now. Yes. And I can't even imagine him being a part of a gang. How did you even get affiliated? Well, the thing is, is that I might have to go back a little bit. Um, okay. I was already really damaged uh, from the age of four to nine. Uh, my mother's brother, uh, I mean, he tortured me. He he would drown me, pull me out. Uh, he would rape me, molested me. I mean, by the time I was nine, my heart was already made out of stone. Mm. So this is your uncle? Yes. Oh, Okay. So it, it was it was bad. He he did a number on me. So by the time I was nine, I I I've told the story before. Where I started uh started saving up to buy a gun because I I kind of felt that that was the career I was gonna pursue. Mm. Uh, I wanted to be a gangster, and uh, I saved up and I, I bought a gun and uh, I started hanging out with uh, all the older. Uh, gang leaders in Chicago, every gang, they they love broken kids. They 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 do all their dirty business for them. So uh, I got pretty known. I was from neighborhood to neighborhood. I was that young, doing doing burns. Man, dang, that just sounds crazy. Cause it's like you probably you probably young, probably a skinny little kid, and yeah. like at any point anybody can just you know grab you by the collar and like do anything to you at that point man man do you remember the first thing that you that you did as a kid do you yeah. remember the first run 
Yeah, man, I just, I, I was just so full of anger, rage. Like, I wanted, I wanted blood. I always tell people, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I wanted blood for everything that happened to me. And, uh, I, you know, I, I found it on the streets, when I, especially when I started gangbanging because, you know, uh, it, it made it easy to go hit the enemies because it just, you know, I was already, it was already on my mind, like, that I, that's what I was going to do. You never wanted to, like, I guess, take that rage out on the on your uncle, or it was you just displaced anger. I displaced him and displaced like males in my life, pretty much. Like, I I hated, I hated everybody. I hated males. I hated females because of my mom, like leaving me there, doing that. You know, knowing that it was happening, she didn't do nothing about it, and I just I just had a lot of a lot of pain, man, a lot of pain. Man, dang. I feel, I fucking feel bad for, I know kids like are going through that to this day, man. And I feel like that's just, man. I that's, why, that's why it was so important for me to like to tell my story. At the beginning, I really didn't. The first time that I shared what happened to me as a kid was when I caught my, my last federal case. Because mm-hmm. my lawyer was like, you need to tell the story of what happened to you as a kid. Because they need to know, like, you're not all there. You know, and they did like a study on me and stuff like that. I had the highest amount of PTSD, like just personality disorder, uh, a lot of things. Man. So. Yeah. Dang, man. Okay. And so how long were like you doing that or or was it just an ongoing thing? Did you ever get arrested while you were like as a kid? Yeah, I got I got arrested. I got uh one, two, I think I got like four or five gun cases in Chicago, uh, unlawful use of a weapon. Uh, you'd be surprised, man. They give you probation in Chicago for shootings, uh, gun what? cases. Yeah, <laughs> they first one I got probation. Second one I did like three months. Third one I did like six months. Fourth one it was a year. So I mean, you you it's almost like you get used to just getting like. That's hand. it, and, yeah. and you're you're back at it again. I mean, there was there was times where I got released, and I was just getting picked up right right after I got released again. You know, so I, it just it became part of my life, going man. to prison. You know, yeah, man. And what? Um, God damn, I'm I'm just imagining eleven year old, and then when when did you first go to jail? Like how old? Do you remember? Sixteen was the first time. 16, and mm-hmm. then the, the second time? 17. It, it just started from there back to back. That's really? why, like, I tell people, when I tell my story, everybody thinks that it's, it's like a big gap. No, everything just happened back to back, back to back fast. You know, by the time I was 17, I was already in prison in Mexico. You know, I had just turned 17. At 17? Yeah. Golly. Thank you. Well, how do you, okay, dang. Yeah. <laughs> we got like 10 hours yeah. of <laughs> Okay, so how did you get in jail in Mexico? I got caught working for the cartel. Oh, so, okay, when did you join the cartel? <laughs> 16. God damn. And, and, and they're going to tell the story more like, I guess, in detail when the show airs in October because, uh, you know, they had to speak to, to Valerie. They had to speak to certain people that were key uh, mm-hmm. people in my life that got me that job because I was I was known on the street. So that's why they were like, well, we got a job for you. You you, you just have to go to Mexico and get trained a little bit. And then, you know, you got a job. 
So I always tell people I got hired by the cartel at 16. And if, for those who don't know, JC is going to be locked on Locked Up Abroad yes, sir. on a, on a National Geographic, right? Yep. October 5th? Yep. Okay. October 5th. So check your local listings for that. He's going to be on there. His story is going to be on there. Um, and so you said they had to talk to all these different people. How did, did somebody – how did you – I'm just I'm – just, I'm interested in this. How do you get, like, put on for the cartel from Chicago? Uh, the cartel, the Sinaloa cartel has always had a, a heavy presence in Chicago, heavy, heavy presence, just because the uh, Mexican population is so big and so, uh, I guess the gangs are so organized that they're able to move a lot of weight. Mm. So the cartels have always had their hands into, it's almost like they set it up strategically because there was all the same family with different sons, part of different gangs. Does that make any sense? Mm, okay. So it was like set up like that. And this is this is back in the day where the cartel really wasn't messing with no other race. They were just messing with the Mexicans. So you had to have a Mexican plug to be able to, you know, mm. be in with them. Okay. So uh, uh, it, it was. They've always been there. And by the time I was sixteen, like I said, a lot of people knew me on the street already for. I was just a trigger happy kid. Like I just, I would always raise my hand to, to go do something. I always call it. Uh, I was trying to commit suicide. That's what I say. I always say it like that. Like, you know how people commit suicide through a cop. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do it by the streets. Uh, I didn't care whether I lived, died, went to prison. I just wanted to be a gangster. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, it was a lot of pain, man. A lot of a lot of stuff going on in my heart and in my head. Yeah, and so. You go to jail in Mexico where you you're moving weight back and forth from Chicago mm-hmm. to Mexico? I end, I started as a driver and then I moved up to a manager. So then I got I, I was making sure all the cars were coming in and getting back home, getting everybody paid, just making sure that everything went from A to B. Mm. And I mean you got a sixteen year old kid making close to sixty grand every week. It was like a, 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 t- a ticking time bomb. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was 16 and I, I started getting into the nightclubs in Chicago and, you know, the big gold chains and chinchilla coats. And I honestly thought I had found the answer to, to life. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, what kid wouldn't? <laughs> Hell yeah. Six, I would do that for 60 grand now. Shit. Dang. Okay. And so about how much weight were you moving back and forth? Do you or like on one run? I mean, back in those days, it was really easy. The cartels were were sending a lot of cars with families because it was really easy to get over the border. So every car held about 40 to 50 keys. Yeah. But I always tell people, do the math because, like, you know, back in those days, they were moving a lot of weed. And you were buying a kilo of weed. That's two pounds for 25 bucks. That's it? That's it. Already compressed and loaded in the car. Damn. So you you end up with a hundred of those in Chicago. You're selling them for five hundred, six hundred bucks each. It's all profit. Fuck it's yeah. all profit, Hell and this yeah. is why all these families turn into billionaires and millionaires. And that's why. And once the coke came in, I mean, that's the whole. That's why it's going crazy over there right now. You know. Yeah. Dang, twenty five dollars for two pounds. Mm-hmm. That good old Mexican weed <laughs> with, all, with all the seeds and the sticks. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Okay. And so 
when you first um how do you get caught because once you move up to manager you're not making the runs no more right no but you got to make sure that the the cars are, are are doing what they have to do getting to where they need to, to get and uh i just uh i jumped in one of the cars one day i got greedy i'm not gonna lie i got mm. greedy uh i was making a lot of money so I, I was willing to drive cars too. I was willing to whatever. Like I just wanted more money, and uh, I jumped in the car, and I, I got caught by 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 the federal federal police over there. They um, they pulled me over, and they knew what time it was already. Like there was a lot of mistakes that I made. Like the pass that I had for the car was only a day old. So he was like, "Why were you only in Mexico for one day?" And I was like, oh, I had an emergency, blah, blah, blah. But I was also, I was high. I was, like, drunk from the day before. Just a lot of sloppy mistakes that I, I shouldn't have made, but I, I did. And it's what got me caught. Man, I know um, the Mexico jails don't fucking play. And you were in prison over there, right? Yeah, yeah. Sheesh. What was that first day like, man? I mean, I was there for five minutes. I had already got staff from my Jordans. Yeah. Really? So you walk in and somebody's trying to take your shoes off of you? <laughs> I I remember to this day, the black door, they just pushed me in. I got two big bags of all like American clothes. And I was I told the guard, I was like, so where, where do I go live? Like, where's my uniform? Where's my cell? Because I had already been in American prison before. So I was like, so, you know, set me up. And they're like, nah, you go find where you're gonna stay because in Mexico it's different. They don't give you stuff. What? <laughs> you gotta find your own way. It's like a little city inside of a little city. Yeah, so, man. you know, I'm standing there with my bags, and this is the first time I see like gang members with like tattoos on their faces, and I'm talking about the early '90s. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So scary looking dudes. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're like, "Hey, you know, what size of shoe are you?" And I'm like, "I still thought I was gangster. I still was like, you know, what's up?" And uh, nah, he ended up stabbing me. Uh, I fell to the ground cuz I couldn't breathe. My my lungs started filling up with blood cuz he got me with an ice pick in the back. Mm. Uh, they had to rush me to the hospital and then the doctor had to stab me again on the side to release the the pressure and the blood. Mm-hmm. So I got technically I got stabbed twice. Damn. You know. And um, after that, the people that I was I was working for got word that I was there, so they set me up with people that were already there. So they came to see me to the hospital, and they were like, uh, well, now you got to go take care of business because you, you're not going to make us look bad. So I'm like, man, I'm in Mexico. And it was hard for me, bro, because me being an American, they look at me as a traitor. They don't, they don't, they don't treat me good. Really? They, they, they think I'm, I'm garbage because I'm, I'm gold. You know, I, I'm, I'm golden. I, I grew up in the United States. They don't know that it's rough over here too, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it was, it was rough, man. Every day, every day was rough in there. And, uh, every day we had to prove ourselves that I was there with another American, um, Ricardo and, that's my road doc to this day. He lives out here in Houston, but uh, he he just had my back, and that's all we did. We watched each other's backs. We fought. We stabbed people. I mean, it was it was rough, but if I wouldn't have been young in the prime of my violence, I, I wouldn't have survived. Like, if you were to throw me in there right now, oh, they would eat me up alive right now. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'm just going to keep it real. Wow. You know? Damn. So, yeah, that... 
that that prison life is freaking crazy. It, it, it's just because you it's a whole way of thinking just to survive in there. You know sure. what I mean? It, you, God, I mean that's that's the main thing that you when you're in, in those kind of prisons. I always tell people uh, watch the movie uh, Get the Gringo with uh, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. That'll give you like an insight of what Mexican prison was because you know they have guns in there, they have machetes in there. They're, it's not like an American prison where like they make sure there's no weapons in there. No, like they the cartel people have stuff in there. There's more drugs in there than there is outside. What? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's where, like, a big cartel member would get caught, right? And we would party for, like, two weeks straight. Like, just, I had never seen, like, kilos of cocaine on plates. And it was just passed around, passed around. There was times that I would run because I was, I was young and I was with the main dude that had, like, the keys there. I would go hide in the cell because I just didn't want to do no more drugs no more. <laughs> I felt like my heart was, like, going to come out of my chest. Yeah. And I would go hide, and he would send his people to go find me, and they would be like, come on, he wants you back over there. And I was like his little pet because he, he, he had a lot of love for me, you know what I mean? And I was just like, man, I had never been so disgusted with drugs in my <laughs> life. Like, it was just too much. Yeah. Golly, man. Jesus. Just the, 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 the whole... The whole government thing about Mexico scares the fuck out of me. Like, I remember going, I think we were went to Tijuana, and my sister was like, she had to go pee. And they were talking about taking her to jail for peeing mm-hmm. in the public. And we had to pay the guy like 200 bucks, the police officer, just so she wouldn't go to jail and yep. shit. I was like, that shit scares the hell out of me, that Mexico. They, the they, know, they know that Americans have money. Mm-hmm. Okay, like more than they do. Mm-hmm. So like they they use that to their full advantage to and and they know that it's it's scary over there for Americans. Like, I mean, I I seen so much stuff over there, man. That I was like, I mean, no wonder how messed up I was. Not not just seeing the stuff on the streets and working for the cartel. Yeah, that was pretty pretty dark stuff. I got to see, but just being in prison over there, seeing them stab people every day. The, the best part I always tell people, uh, a lot of the kingpins in there would, um, like, build their own soccer teams and buy their, buy their guys. They would invest money to make it into a really big sport. Inside the inside jail? Inside the jail. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the world championship, they would get into fights and start stabbing each other. It would be blood all over the place. And I would be like, man, Mexicans are pretty violent, man. <laughs> pretty violent little dudes, man. Gang. <laughs> So how long were you? How long were you there? How long? Were you Almost there? four years. Four years? Yeah, I was waiting for the American consul to come and get me. Wow, why did why did it take so long? Uh, they know? they they had they, back in those days they had an ex- an exchange program going on with the U.S. where they were exchanging prisoners that you know Americans for Mexicans. So we had to wait for the right exchange to happen, and I was actually one of the last ones to get transferred like they stopped the program after that so i'm actually was lucky and blessed to be like to make it out of there because i always tell people if they wouldn't have came and got me i i would i wouldn't be alive right now i wouldn't really yeah because i always thought like well i guess me thinking i always think like no matter if you're american citizen right and you go to jail in any other country They'll, you know, send you back and you'll do your sentence here or something yeah, like if that. Yeah, you're famous. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but 
basketball Vinny, players. Yeah, Vinny Vinny. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that though. Like, no matter yeah. where you are in the country, the the American government will send for you or come and get you or whatever. You know what I mean? They they go and check on you. Like they would go and check on me every month. They would bring me vitamins because they knew like the food was really bad. So they would bring me vitamins. They would bring me jackets and and like uh, sheets and and blankets and stuff like that they they're there to see you every month because the council is there mm. but they're not in a hurry to bring you home if you're not nobody important mm. you know what i mean yeah okay and then you do you get out um after four years or no nah, i got i got transferred to el paso and and before i even got to el paso they just moved me from prison to prison so i hit i was in, in san luis potosi then i was in saltillo Monterrey, and then Juarez. Juarez was the worst one. That's the border where El Paso. Um, and that's where they crossed me over. They crossed me over to uh, La Tuna Federal Prison in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of famous guys have been there, like the guy from Blow. Uh, just a lot of cartel people. Um, so I got there. So once I got there, I was there for a year. And uh, every day that I did in Mexico counted as two. And then I got seven years off my sentence for pain and suffering mm. for, like, everything that happened to me over there. Yeah. And they released me, but I was only, I was free for about five minutes. The uh, Texas Rangers were there waiting for me to pick me up. Uh, I was wanted on a shooting case in Chicago. Mm. So I, I got extradited. I ended up in the uh, county jail in El Paso, Texas. Yeah. Okay. So this, this is what I wanted to ask. If you do a crime in Mexico... The, when you get out of Mexico prison, shouldn't you be released in the United States since it's a different government or? Yes and no. Like my boy Ricardo, he did. He stayed in Mexico. He did all his time in Mexico. He didn't. He didn't want to dirty his his name over here. Mm. I I didn't care. I wanted to get out of Mexico. So like that's on my record. Like I got charged with international drug smuggling. Mm, so okay. my that's on my record. He did all his time over there, so he was released from the Mexican prison over there, and then he just came back to the United States on his own. With a clean record. Yes, uh, he doesn't have a record here. Oh, uh, okay, okay. And so, uh, I don't know, if you, did you answer about if you come over here, if you get charged over there, do they, do they can they convict you over, the, over here for stuff you did in Mexico? No, nah, like, no. Nah. Okay. It, it, the, o- the only reason why I got convicted is because I wanted to get transferred to the United States. You know, so that's when they, they fix the paperwork. You It ends up on your paperwork. Oh, okay. But, okay. man, like, I, they, gave me, they gave me 15 years, man. And, and over there, there is no good time. There is no 80%. There is no halftime. Like, there's nothing. So you're doing all that time. There is nothing. You ain't getting nothing. Damn. And then... You said Texas, they, they, you, they send you back to Chicago, or you go do Fed? Well, I went to uh, the El Paso County Jail, and I signed uh, another extradition paper. They had 30 days to come and pick me up. Uh, on the very last day, they moved me to another prison in El Paso. It's called the Annex. It's underground. And I thought they were coming to get me because they moved me. They didn't come and get me. They released me on my own. You know, it, the judge t- just told me, when you get to Chicago, turn yourself in. Mm. So I was like, okay. So when I got to Chicago, I went straight to the judge. I just, I wanted to get it over with. So because I did that, the judge was like, oh, wow, you just you just got out and literally you're here. And I was like, yes, sir, I just, I want, I want to just get this over with. 
So he recommended the the good the gang program for me, and I ended up getting out pretty fast. Mm, okay. Well, what's what's pretty fast? Well, how long? It was about a year after that. Oh, okay. So I ended up doing a total of I was seventeen when I went in. I got out when I was twenty four. Oh my god, Lee man. So damn. Usually when people are doing college, you're fucking doing prison. That was your that was your college. <laughs> that was my college. I always tell people I got a PhD on the streets, man. Got a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> So where do you go from there at 24, once you get released, where do you go from there? Well, I, I got out, and the uh, people I was working for, you know, um, hit me up. They blessed me. They gave me a brand-new truck, gave me, I think they gave me about 15, 20 Gs. I can't remember. Um, it was a big chunk of money. Mm. Uh, I wanted to change, so I used a little bit of that money to go to, like, CDL school, and I was going to, like, change my life and—, and how does the cartel get a hold of you once you get out, though? Like, Oh, I mean, they knew where I was going back to Chicago, my neighborhood. I, I mean, all the same people that I was working for were still, still over there. Oh, okay. You know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Valerie, Cato's wife, one of the twins, twins' wives also. Mm-mm. Okay, so we'll get into that later. <laughs> okay. But she, she was the one that knew everything that was going on with me and everything. So she let them know I was home and everything. They, they took care of me. They blessed me. Um, and that's when I, I went to CDL school and I started looking for a job, but nobody wanted to give me a job because of my record. And I just, I ended up back in the game again. And when I went to go see my boss, he was like, oh, he was like, you know, with open arms, he was like, let's get back to work. Cause I was always, even as a little kid, I was always like hustling. Um, I always tell people I'm the one that invented Uber. When I was in, in high school, you would beat me, and I would go deliver a dime back to you. Mm. Like, and that's what I did to get around. My, I used to drive around in my little Regal. You would beat me, and I, I would, and I was 14, 15 years old doing this. You know what I mean? Just I would break down a whole pound, sell it on dime bags, and I was always hustling. I always had to, to make my money. I always had to do I – I had to survive. Yeah. God damn. At 14 and 15. Yeah, man. Jesus. I grew man. up too fast, man. Yeah. Man, okay. And so once you get back in the game at 24 and they hook you up, they set you up to, to start going back to Mexico or doing what now? No, I started uh, I started moving, you know, keys. I started uh, – it's a whole different ball game when you start moving, you know, 10, 20, 50 at a time. And I always tell people it's almost like I became like, like a millionaire overnight because – I got the big house out in the suburbs. I had a restaurant, Mexican restaurant. I married, I married into this family. I married the lady to get into a family that was plugged because mm. I knew it was going to help me with my distribution and, and stuff like that. So I've always, I guess you could say I've always had like something behind my madness. Yeah. Uh, every decision I made was always something behind it. You know what I mean? So uh, I, started, I started pushing big weight and... Um, that's when I, I hooked up with Cato. Uh, at the time, Cato was messing with the music business, and, and you know, DMX was in, in the mix now. Uh, he had some rappers, so we were always at the studio in downtown Chicago, and X was always coming around. And it's, it's just started evolving into that whole, like, you know, thug rap game, I guess you might, might, might say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it got out of hand again where I was I was moving a lot of weight 
a lot of my own boys were like robbing me, trying to kill me. Um, I ended up, I used to be a Satan disciple. That's the first gang that I really like joined and everything. Mm -hmm. But they robbed me, they tried to kill me. So I ended up turning to Latin King to mm. get back at them. And that's where I got really close with Cato and DMX and, and that whole everything, Fat Joe. It, it, all that came into the workings, the videos, all that stuff. Um, but it got, it got really bad, man, where one day, I want to say they, tr they tried to kill me like eight times in one day. And I told Cato, I was like, you know what, dog? I'm, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to Arizona. And... Everything that had happened to me as a kid and, and moving into my teenage years and everything, like, it was already taking a toll on me. Like, I could tell mentally I wasn't there. I had a lot of demons. A lot of demons. And uh, he's like, yeah, I just moved to Arizona. X, X got a house out there. You know, keep an eye on him. And, you know, it'll be good. You'll stay out of trouble. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, right. I should. And it was the worst decision I could have ever made, man. I mean, I, I got to Arizona and... Since I didn't have none of my crew watching out for me, I got really hooked on drugs. I started smoking crack a lot. Uh, I started hanging out with X a lot. Uh, mm. uh, we were just no good for each other. <laughs> and in Arizona, it's a different lifestyle because there's, there's a strip club on every corner. Mm. There's like, I've never seen so many strip clubs in my life. Yeah. And it, it was just a whole different lifestyle that started feeding a lot of the demons that I had because... You know, when me being raped as a kid made me very sexual very at a very young age. I started having sex, you know, with a lot of women throughout, throughout my life. And the strip club fed that. Mm. So I became a, a Phoenix Rough Rider. Started riding bikes in Phoenix. Started moving weight again. Started dating strippers. And started going to prison over there. I caught a bunch of DUIs, running from the cops. Uh, it just all started catching up again. Golly. Man, does that life, like, because just you talking about it, like, just to think about it is fucking exhausting to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, having the people that, that you're cool with to, to try to kill you, like, all that shit. And be like, damn, who do you even fucking trust? You know what I mean? How, how did you even, like, manage that mentally? Or did you manage it mentally? I didn't, bro. I, I didn't. That's why, like, I, I was a heavy alcoholic. I, I was a heavy, heavy drug user. Um, I was just used to immediate gratification. Like, I, if I felt good for five minutes, I'll be good with that. You hung on to that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Like, the rest of the day could be bad. But as long as I had five minutes that were good, I was good. And I, I kind of learned to survive like that, but... I really didn't realize how much of a toll it was really taking on me until, like, recently, before my walk. Mm, okay. Yeah. And I, I want to get into this, man, because DMX was, like, one of my fucking heroes. You know what I mean? You got any stories, like, uh, you could tell I mean, about, the, about the dog, man? I mean, he, he was a real, real solid dude, man. I, I got nothing bad to say about him, man. Like, he... He loved his fans. He, we would go, we would go to strip clubs, and he would sit out out there and perform for them all night, sing, you know, take pictures with them. He he loved his people, you know. What I mean, I had a lot of respect from a lot of love, and uh, it, it was it was constant. Just, I mean, it was party. I mean, it was, it was kind of party. everywhere we went with him. Yeah. You know, it was it was me, 
Tito, Tito, I think, is from New York. He was the president of the Rough Riders. KB's from Chicago. He was the vice president. But it was us three, always with X, and we would go to the strip clubs. And, and, you know, just being with him, that got us, like, the VIP package, you know what I mean? So, like, strippers, drugs, I mean, you name it. It, it, was always, it was always a crazy lifestyle. Like, they say the whole video, the rap video stuff. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true, man. It's, it's, it's the big life. <laughs> it's the big life. Yeah. Man, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this while you're talking, too. I'm like, you probably seen at least a million dollars go through your hand at, at minimum, right? Oh, yeah. You, I mean, once you had the restaurant, like, you never kind of, like, transitioned, made that to transition, like, out of that? Or did you need that adrenaline rush that came with, you know what I mean, the money? You know, it's funny that you asked that because every – drug dealer has asked me that question <laughs> and i always tell people yeah that was that was the plan to get out and be legit but stuff happens you get robbed you you lose money so then you got to make it up because you ain't gonna make it up legit there's no way you know especially when i my best friend best friend that i grew up with since we were kids he robbed me for 20 of them 20 keys yes so do the math they were at nineteen five back then. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll never forget, like, the day I got the, the, the knock on my door. And I lived, like, I lived far in the suburbs. And it was, it was the people, you know. And I was like, well, you can have my house. My house was paid for. I had bought it from Cato. Um, he's like, I don't want the house. I want the money. And we're going to be back tomorrow. So... I had to go do what I had to go do to go get that money. You know, I, I always tell people when I was when I was in the game, half of my hair was missing from my head. That's how stressed up, stressed out I was all the time. This whole piece was bald on the side of my head. Uh, it was constant. Am I gonna get robbed? Am I gonna? I got. I mean, I've been tied up like three times. You know, and, and people don't realize. You know, they they see. The, the rap videos, they see, like, the, the songs and all this stuff. They don't see what really comes with it. Mm-hmm. it it's not all fun and games. <laughs> it's fun to spend the money, but you have to go through war to, to get that money. And you're never the same afterwards. Yeah. God damn, man. I want I, I mean, I don't know if you're even comfortable talking about it. How did you even get tied up? How did somebody tie you up? You know, uh, I... I trust people too much. Even being from the streets and how I am, I, I've always trusted people because if you give me your word, you know, just like I told you, I, you know, when I said, yeah, I'll, I'll come over here and then things changed. And I told my wife, hey, I already gave him my word. I need to go over there. <laughs> and my wife's like, we're going to Texas in a couple months. Why, why are you doing this now? I was like, I gave him my word. So I have mm, to go. Mm. And that's how I look at people. Like, in, unless you prove me wrong, I'm going to trust you. And, and that's what uh, got me in trouble a lot. That I, tr- I trusted people, you know, and, and not to sound, sound racist or anything, but back then a lot of the Mexicans didn't, didn't mess with the black guys because they were stick-up boys. So they didn't mess with them. I did. I was always in Cabrini Green. I was always on State Street. I was always in there. Um, I've always been like a chameleon. I've always kind of been able to blend in with everybody mm. Puerto Ricans Cubans it didn't matter like I always was able to survive and I started messing with a lot of people a lot of GDs a lot of vice lords and 
really, I always tell people that's the reason why I started making so much money because they were hustling 24-7. They didn't take no days off. Yeah, yeah. I would get to the block and I would see my dude and I would be like, dude, you're still wearing the same thing you were wearing three days ago. <laughs> and he would be like, man, I've been out here making money. <laughs> so, like, it, 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 it just turned into a, a little, almost like a lifestyle. I knew sooner or later it was going to happen. And like I said, I, I always looked at it as like, I guess, self-suicide. Like, I, did, I really didn't care. Damn. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of times where, you know, I got tied up once at my house, at my house. And when he put the gun to my head, I just closed my eyes because I, I didn't want to see. You know what I mean? So I closed my eyes and they left. So they left and... I'm still tied up on the chair. My wife gets home. She's upstairs. I could hear her. I'm in the basement. I'm trying to, like, move around because my, my mouth is just gagged and everything. So, like, trying to move. I think it took my wife, like, two hours to come downstairs and find me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the happiest day of my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, so all that took a toll on me, man. It, it all did, man. It, it, it's It's... Bits and pieces of my heart started just falling off throughout the years, man. And, and that's why I, I became such a, I guess, such a monster at the end, man. Mm, yeah. So when did you, because I know you have a strong faith now, man, and you dedicated your life to Jesus. When did, when, what was the final thing that made you like, you know what, I'm done with all this? When, um, when I got to here to Arizona, uh, like I said, I got really into drugs. Uh, I was in and out of prison. Um, I had jobs here and there. I, I was really trying to change my life, but I didn't know how. Mm. I, had, I had no clue. So I would go to like AA meetings. I, I would get sober for a couple of months. I, I would go to rehab, but I would find myself right back into it again. I was very, very insecure, very manipulating, very, uh, I was a liar, a cheater, uh, my my longest relationship would probably be like three months, you know. Uh, I I was never a woman beater, but I always the, my my words would hurt people, mm. and I would always hurt people first to not give them a chance to hurt me. Mm. So I I I destroyed a lot of relationships in my life, like friends, you know, girlfriends, you know. I have I have five baby mamas, mm. and. It's it's now my kids are all coming back into my life, but it's because they see how different I am now, you know. And I, I be like like I said, I became a monster just because I was so damaged, and through everything that happened, um, I got out. I ended up catching another big federal case in Arizona in 2007. Mm. I sold uh, six keys of coke. I got set up by one of my boys. He came from Chicago, found me in Arizona, and I should have listened to my gut, but I trusted him because I was like, what's this dude doing over here in Arizona looking for me? He knows I'm plugged. He knows that I could just make the phone call and get them. So I was like, ah, he just, he wants to get on. He wants to get on. He wants to make money, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, I was only messing with weed. I was staying under the radar. I was making money. A lot of the Rough Riders didn't even know that I was that I was, you know, doing my thing. Mm -hmm. When I got arrested, it was like a shock to everybody because I always just kept it on the hush. I had a, a house in Tucson that I would just be back and forth, back and forth. And I went to prison and got out 
got out in 2013, and, and that's the first like time that I was like, okay, I'm gonna change. I had got into really good shape in, in federal prison, and I was like, all right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a personal trainer. I'm gonna open up my own gym, and I did it. A year later, I I had my own gym, Alpha Omega Fitness, and then it started happening again. My head started getting big. My ego, my ego's been my biggest enemy. Uh, started sleeping around again, started doing drugs again. I was playing cat and mouse games with my PO. Finally, he got tired and, and he sent me back. He, I ended up getting sent back to one of the most dangerous prisons in California, Victorville, the mm. USP. Mm. I was there for five minutes. They were stabbing up this dude for a piece of chicken, like stabbing him. They must have stabbed him like 30 times. So I'm sitting there eating my chicken, watching this dude get stabbed up. And, like, you have to imagine the scene to, like, the impact that he was trying to crawl up the walls. Like, his handprints were all the way to the roof because he was trying to get away because they were stabbing him so many times. And I'm sitting there eating the chicken. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing back here again? Like, you're 40 years old now. Like, what are you, you going to do with the rest of your life? I was already tired. Like, I was really, really broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guardian angel It was this big dude He worked out He uh, he seen my tattoo in the back of my leg And he's like Hey why you got a 5% tattoo on your leg And I was like Oh I'm, I'm one of uh, Rich Piana's You know sponsored athletes He's like Whatever dude He's like you're in prison <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> I'm like nah for real He's like yeah whatever So he locks me in the cell He comes back like an hour later He's like Yo, I just Googled you. <laughs> He's like, you got some videos up there. And I was like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> He's like, but what are you doing here? You only have a year on a violation. And I was there with lifers. Mm. People that had nothing to lose. Right. And, I, I, and I tell people, man, when I wa- I've been to a lot of dangerous prisons, man. Mexico, here. That yard right there was the scariest yard I've ever been to. Because as soon as I walked in, I could smell the death. Mm. Like, I could feel it. Yeah. I can't explain it, but I could feel it. It like it scared me. Mm-hmm. So he's like, uh, he's like, I talked to the counselor. He's like, you'll be out of here in a month or so. And I was like, for real? He's like, yeah. He's like, before the lockdown's over, you'll be out of here. And I was like, man, thank you, Jesus. Like, man. And um, I ended up getting sent to, uh, I think it was called, Lom- Lom- yeah, Lompoc. Uh, it was a minimum security prison. This is the first time. I've ever been to a medium, like a low security prison. Low, low. Mm-hmm. I've never seen so many white people in prison. <laughs> it was all white collar crimes. <laughs> it's like I get off the bus and there's grass. They're playing tennis out there. And I'm like, what? where am I? I felt like I was in a twilight zone. You know, and, and they had bocce. Like it just it looked like a college campus. And there was a lot of white dudes, like mm. all like bankers. You know, stuff like that, where yeah, they kept yeah, them yeah. safe and nice. Yeah. Well, I got there, and um, I ended up, I was there for a year, got out, came home, and I was like, okay, I need to get my life together now because, like, I, I don't, I don't want to go to prison no more. I did. I did. A total amount of time, I did 17 years, three months, three weeks. Yeah, so, like, half of my life. Mm-hmm. So, I get out. I was like, man, I really want to change. I didn't know how. I was like, I started Googling stuff. How do people change? <laughs> and it came up, uh, college. 
So I was like, okay, so I'll go take a college course. <laughs> so I ended up <laughs> signing up at the Phoenix College, and I told the lady my whole story that I just got out, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you should take this class right here. It'll be good. He's a really good professor. And I looked at the name of the class, and it said criminal, um, criminal justice. Mm. And I was like, wait, who takes that class? She's like, people don't want to be cops, cops, social workers, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want to sit next to a cop right now. It's too fresh. She's like, no. She's like, you, ne you need to take this class. And for some reason, I felt like a motherly love when she was telling me that. So I said, all right, just sign me up, coach. Like, I'll, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, this is where I met John Humphrey. He's, um, he was a cop for 30 years. He's the guy that disciples me now. Uh, and I started going to school, and I, I met him. Uh, I watched him, and he was the real deal. Like, the way he talked and walked, he was the real, real, real man of God. Mm. So when I graduated, he gave me a, a devotion book, and he's like, you know, I really wish you could, you know, experience what I'm experiencing. And I'm like, man, don't talk to me. I did way too much stuff to talk about God. He's like, no, for real. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. So fast forward three years, I'm still, I'm being successful. My YouTube's taking off. I'm, I'm competing. I hold a couple of state records. You know what I mean? I'm competing in powerlifting. My head's getting like this big again. Uh, everybody knows me in the gym. Uh, I'm sleeping with all the girls from the gym. I'm making money. So it was almost like I was like a, a they call it dry drunk in uh, AA. Uh, mm. You're sober, but you're still making all the same mistakes mm. that you were doing when you were drunk. Mm. So same lifestyle, just different, different means of getting money and all that stuff. Um, my wife ends up at the gym. She was already a, a Christian. Mm. She, she noticed something in me that most people didn't because I, I hid I've always been really good at having different personalities. I know how to hide stuff. Mm. And she would always tell me, you need Jesus. And I used to be like, hey, just get out, get out of my face. Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. And she would always, like, I would be on the treadmill and she would come up next to me. And I used to tell her, she's really, like, she's beautiful, you know. She's really beautiful. She's from New Jersey, her accent, everything. I used to be like, you know, I don't care how pretty you are. I wouldn't even look at you because you talk about Jesus too much. <laughs> and I would walk away. But for some reason, it was the first woman in my life that I never looked at sexually or, or not, not in any kind of bad way for some reason. I know why now, but, you know, uh, I started uh, telling her a lot of the things that were done to me as a kid that I had never told nobody because... Just the drowning alone, how he used to drown me. And I, I would literally, like, die, bro, and he would bring me back. Like, I would pass out. Really? And then he would do it again. Like, it was complete, like, torture. And me being able to talk to her about that stuff really made a connection. I made a really good connection with her. And, um, like I said, everything was going fine. And YouTube was making money. I was getting, you know, popular in the, on the whole social media thing. Uh one night I came home and I was like, I mean, is, is this it? Is that what you do? You, you go to work, you come home to an empty house, and, like, you feel. I had, like, a big hole in my chest. Mm. And I was like, 
I was for sure that I didn't want to go back to prison, so I, I figured I was just going to try and kill myself. It wouldn't be the... F- I've, I've tried to do it, like, multiple times bef- before. I've slid my wrist. I've, I've done all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, so I was like, all right, so I'm going to go get a hot shot. I went and I got it. I, you know what a hot shot is, right? No. It's just a big heroin shot. You hit yourself. You pass it. You overdose. You're done. Mm. It's easy, the easiest way. So I went and got it, sat down, and I was like, all right. So this is it. I was almost like saying bye to myself, you know, and, and I sat by my bed. And for some reason, um, I decided to call her. I, decided, I texted her, and I was like, hey, are you up? I wanted to say bye for some reason. Mm-hmm. And she got on the phone with me, and she, like, she knew right away that something was wrong. And she like was on me. She was like, I'll, I'll go to, I'm going to your house right now. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. And I didn't want nobody to find me like that. So she stayed on the, on the phone with me all night. I didn't do it. You know, uh, the next day I walked into the gym and she ran up to me and hugged me. This is the first time um, I get a little emotional when I say it, but this is the first time that I had let somebody hug me like that. Mm-hmm. And it made me so mad. I wanted to punch her because I felt so vulnerable, so like just just hurt. Um, after that, uh, we started talking a lot and we started dating about a month later. I, I woke up one day and I was like, I think I, I love you. Like a good, clean love, like not lust, not nothing. And she's like, "Yeah, I think I love you too." And I was like, "Well, do you want to be my girlfriend?" <laughs> this is the first time I even asked somebody that. I was like, "Do you even ask that, or is it like that high school?" <laughs> she's like, "No, I think you have to ask me." So I was like, "All right, so you want to be my girlfriend?" She's like, "Yeah, let's 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 see what happens." How long How long ago was this? Uh, it was three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah, man, and. Uh, she ended up, we ended up moving in together. Um, this is when COVID happened. So I lost a lot of my clients and, at the gym. A lot of stuff happened. So we ended up moving together to make it easier on both of us, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't realize how damaged I was until I moved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I moved in, uh, the controlling monster got came out. The jealous monster came out. Uh there was holes all over the walls in the house. Uh, I had a lot of rage. I, I didn't trust her. I always thought she was up to something. Um, I didn't trust nobody. I didn't even trust myself. Mm-hmm. And it started taking a toll on her. It started taking a toll on her. And she was like, you know, I'm sitting here praying. And she's like, I, I don't know if I could take this anymore. She's like, I love you. But I just, she's like, I don't know if I could take this anymore. And I'll never forget that day because she was like, do me a favor, watch this movie with me. And I was like, what movie? Uh, it's called The Shack. It's the like Shack? a Christian-based movie. You know you know about the movie? It's the Shack? Man, bro. I watched that movie. I never cried like a little baby in my life. And that movie made me cry. Where can, can you, can, is this, uh, can you find it it's online? It's on Netflix right now. Netflix? It's on Netflix right now. Okay. They just put it on there. The Shack. The Shack. Is it spelled? I'm asking because I'm. I know it's gonna be a dumbass <laughs> question, but is it spelled like Shaquille, like S H Q? No. C K. Okay. Yeah. Man, bro, I'm not gonna tell you why. You need to watch it, but okay. I watched that movie. I started crying, 
I hadn't spoke to my mom or my sisters in like years. I called them up. I told my mom I forgave her. Um, that was like a big, big step for me. Um, called my dad. I told him I forgave him too. And I was just crying this whole time. Like, I, I didn't understand what was going on with me. You know, uh, I was feeling all these emotions. I, I only had two back then. It was mad and really mad. That's all I had. Mm. So after that, she was like, you see how you need to have a relationship with God? And I was like, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to do it my way. And she's like, all right, whatever, JC. So it, it wasn't working. My way wasn't working. One day out of nowhere, I just got up and I went downstairs and I just, I just dropped to my knees. I always tell people, I just, I fell to my knees. And for some reason, I felt like I needed to confess everything that I had done in my life because I, I've done some pretty messed up stuff. I confessed everything, people that I didn't like, people that I wanted to do stuff to. Like, I, it just, it started coming out and I was, I was crying. My boogers were coming out. Like, I was a mess. I was sweating. So I get up and I'm like, man, that's like the best pre-workout I've ever had. I was like, now I'm going to go work out. I went in the garage and it happened again. I fell down to my knees again. And that's where I felt that God was telling me, you're not going to talk about gangs no more. You're not going to talk about your cartel life no more. You're not going to talk about the rap videos. You're going to talk about what I'm going to do in your life. And from that day on. You can see the video. I put it up that same day. I told everybody, I was crying like a baby on the video. I ain't going to talk about my past no more. I'm going to talk about God. Mm. And I stayed faithful from that day on. And, and like I tell people, I'm a straight soldier. So when I'm in, I'm in. I'm loyal to the core. Mm -hmm. From that day on, I, I called John. I told him, hey, I'm, I'm ready to get discipled. Uh, he put me in school. Uh, he comes over once a week, starts you know teaching me how to read what to look for, and, and I just started, like, taking it up. I mean, I got my Bible with me. I got my, my books with me that I'm reading right now, and I'm just, I'm on it. Mm -hmm. um, everything started changing in my life, man. Like, I had never had peace and joy in my heart. Never. I didn't even know what it felt like. So all this is new to me, and it's coming, it's coming. It's hitting me left and right. I felt like I was just getting attacked. Like, it just felt crazy because... For eight months straight, all I did was cry. I would jump in the car. I would cry because I would remember how much time I spent in transit like this, you know, going somewhere I didn't know. Mm. And now I'm driving. So, like, feeling grateful. Like, I started feeling grateful. I started feeling, like, peace. I started all these things. And I was like, man, how did I go from being a thug to this? <laughs> I was like, but it felt so good that I wanted more. I wanted more. So then I just, I started studying more. I started hanging around with more Christian brothers. I started going to church. It's a whole process, man. I always tell people it's, it's a discipline that you need to learn. But, man, the payback is just, it's, it's priceless. Yeah, man. Man. And that's just like the fast track story. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, man, because, you know what? I don't know if you even noticed it, but me watching you. When we were talking about your beginning story, you could tell where you kind of like tense up. But when you start talking about your walk, your whole body is just, it just, it just looks different. You know what I mean? Just from just watching you, how you are just so light and you're able to just talk. Like, I don't know. 
it just it's strange to see but i could tell like this is like truly a different person just from even talking about the stuff that you went through and from your walk with finding god you know what i mean i uh i went back to my neighborhood i want to say about five months ago i went to go share my testimony at a church local church over there um 25 gang members that they gave their life to the Lord because they they seen the joy in me. Mm. Um, right now, I'm discipling like 15 of my dudes from my old neighborhood mm. because they're like, man, JC, if we see how see, they're like, it's contagious how, how you talk about him, how you, you're, like, how you look. They're like, we want that too. So like, I was like, I, I'm... I'm always going to be a gangster. I always tell them like this. I'm just a gangster for Jesus now. Mm-hmm. And I am going to keep it real 100. And I'm going to tell you exactly, you know, I ain't perfect, but I'm in love with Jesus. I'm in love with what God's doing in my life, through me, in me. Uh, five of my, almost, I have five kids. Four are back in my life now. I'm still working on one. Mm-hmm. But it's him. It's not me, you know. And I give him all the glory, man, because I would have never been able to do this without him. And... It's true how scripture says that he takes the old like garments off of you and he dresses you like you you become a new person. And I tell people, I, I you can't even make this stuff up, man. I, I felt like I don't need no more proof because I feel it in my heart how happy I am, the peace that I am, and just I wanna tell the world about him because like if he did it for me, I wanna be able to give it to everybody else because people need it, man. This this whole this whole world is all messed up, especially now with social media and, and all these kids that like they they think that that's that's the answer. And, and, and like, man, I'm like, man, I'm just trying to warn you that all that leads to is a dark alley with a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. It ain't even real. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's why, like, my mission man, is to tell the world about what he did in my life. Man, It's not even about my story. It's about him. Yeah. I noticed when you said that um, after you watched the the shack, you called your mom and dad. Have you been able to forgive your uncle? Yeah, I forgave him. I I, I made a video about it. I, I forgave him, and um, you know, I I've learned that there's a lot of damaged people out here. You know, we 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 don't know what people are going through, what they've been through. Sometimes, and sometimes those those pains and those sufferings bleed on to everybody else you know and they damage people and it just there has to be a time where somebody steps up and breaks that chain you know what i mean breaks breaks that that if it's in your family or it's it's something you have to be able to break that chain and the only way to do that is, is through god man so i forgave him man i forgave him and, and like i tell people i'm trying to get into the prisons to share my the gospel with sex offenders with people that have done that uh, it sounds crazy because I used to be the first one to beat them up as soon as they came on the yard. Mm-hmm. But now I know that there's a lot of messed up people out there, man, that need need Jesus. Like, they need him, and that's the only way they're going to be able to change. Mm-hmm. It sounds crazy, but it's it's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about sex offenders. I'm, I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about them. But man. Then, <laughs> I always tell people like this. I always tell people like this. You walk into a room, right? It's a table just full of sin. There's gambling. There's sex, porn, money, drugs. There's sin for everybody. But you're going to go to the one that you want, Mm -hmm. the one that calls you. 
And for some reason, there's something in your past that did that that makes you call to that sin. Mm. Whether you grow up really poor, you never want to be poor again, whether you got molested, blah, 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 like, you know, there's, there's something, but there's damage there that needs to get fixed. So I'm like, I always tell people, I'm nobody to judge nobody. Mm-hmm. Like only he, he could do that. I'm just, I'm like an ambassador. I'm just here to represent him and tell, tell, tell you or tell everybody that through him, you, you'll be able to leave that sin alone and walk a new life. So for somebody who's watching this, right, that has had like a troubled background and they want to change, would you, I know your route was first go to college or you, you found your way through college. What would, you, what would you say to be the first thing, like what should they do to get on that path of that making that transition from their old lifestyle to now where you are now? I mean, seeking God every day has made a big difference in my life. Like the first thing. When I get up, I go downstairs. I, I sit for an hour in the dark downstairs in my living room, and I just talk to him. Mm. I talk to him, and I there's not one day that I don't cry, man, because I'm so grateful what he's doing in my life that, like, I just I tell him because he knows I'm not perfect, and I know I'm not perfect now. So, like, I'll be like, yeah, man, yesterday I shouldn't have got mad like that. And I just talked to him like a full-blown conversation, like he's, he's my boy. Mm-hmm. And after that, I sit down, I, I read, I read my, my Bible. I, I usually read one uh, Psalms and, and a Proverbs, depending on the date. Like that, the, today was the 17th, so I read the 17th. And I just, I feed myself positive stuff in order to have a positive day. You know, uh, you can't expect to change if you're still hanging around with the same people, doing the same stuff. It's like hanging around at the barbershop saying you're never going to get a haircut. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to get a haircut. <laughs> so, like, you, you have to do things you've never done in order to do things you've, you've never done either. So, like, I wanted to change. Mm. So, and, and, this is, and this is coming from somebody, man, that, like, in prison, I used to, like, make fun of all the Bible thumpers. Because I used to be like, oh, now now you're in prison. Now you're scared. Now you want to see God. Mm. Now you want to see God. So that's why I always tell people, I didn't, I didn't see God when I was in trouble. I, everything was going pretty well. Just, I knew that I needed to seek him in, in order for me to, to change this. Because this, if you listen to this, this tells you all kinds of lies. This tells you who hurt you, how to get even. Uh, all that stuff. Your heart is the way that God talks to you. And if you don't sit still in complete stillness and actually listen to it, then you, you, you're never going to change. Yeah. Man. God dang it. I, I, I mean, I don't have as troubled background as you did, but I don't know why lately, like, I've been – for a long time, like, I'm, you probably don't know this, but I grew up Jehovah Witness, right? Mm-hmm. So for a long time, all I knew is Jehovah Witness and Christianity was bad. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of like devil worship. That's what I've been taught, right? Mm-hmm. And then once I went to college, I met some people that were good Christians. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, all that what I was taught can't be true. You know what I mean? Like. It has to be something because I'm I'm meeting too many good people that are Christians or that that believe in Jesus. You know what I mean? 
And so I started going to church, right? Um, and I started like really like, okay, let me see what this is all about. Let me let me find out for myself and not let like my grandmother, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, not let her tell me what, what I'm supposed to believe. Let me find out for my own self. And then when I when I really started going to the church, um, I ain't gonna lie, it was a girl that was real into it. And that's what made me want to start going. You know what I'm saying? That's what made me really want to start going. But then after me and her start meeting her broke up, like I was traveling a fucking hour to go to church. You know what I mean? When I would pass up 50 churches, but it was just one that I would go to in Houston, matter of fact, um, that I was always going to. And I was like, man, it just, it just, the energy in the room just feels good. You know what I mean? And I was just like, it's something, it's something. And of course there's bad in everything, right? Mm-hmm. There's are some bad apples and yeah. everything. But for the most part, what I was getting out of it was a good feeling, you know what I mean? Good energy. And it was always um I don't I can't even put my like Well you felt like a million bucks every time you yeah, left. Yeah, man. And it was just something different. And then like I just started, okay. Now, this is good over here. And then it just made me start going into other religions, looking at Muslims, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Looking at Buddhists and just different religion. And for me, I kind of was like, okay, there's good in every, all of it, but a lot of this is man-made stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to just follow one religion. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not one to subscribe to just one religion, right? I just know I just, I just got to be a good person, you know what I'm saying? and take care of the people that's here on earth, do good by people. And so I don't necessarily follow like, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm a Muslim, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I just know, I just want to I just want to be a good person, you know what I mean? When when people leave my presence, I just want them to be like, you know what, Dante's a good dude. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? They may not know much about me, but they could just feel he has good energy, he's a good dude, you know what I mean? And, and that that's kind of way I, I I just live my life. And, but what with the the way that you're talking, the way that the transition from being a, just a hardcore stone, just no feelings, to now where you just seem like just so a lovable guy, man. Like I would, I would definitely advocate for somebody just to go to church. You know what I'm saying? Just start that. Just start going. You don't even have to say nothing. Just go and sit in the back and just listen. You know what I mean? And I did everything you did, man. I I I talked to the Muslims in prison. I I've done. I've been seeing a psychiatrist since I was like ten. Counselors, mm. shock therapy, hypnosis, drug rehab. I tried everything under the sun. Jehovah Witnesses, ev- everything. And this is why I'm such a firm believer in my walk now because I know what what it's been doing for me. Like, mm-hmm. I feel it every day. Mm-hmm. And every day, and this is going to, I always explain to people, this is going to be a, a life, like a lifestyle, a walk for the rest of my life because throughout my whole life, he's going to keep, sent, like, changing me. There's going to be changes in my life. Um, one of the biggest changes was my how I speak. Uh, a lot of my boys, when I went to go speak at the church, they were like, yo, did, did you take a pill or something? I was like, for what? He's like, well, you're not swearing. I was like, I don't swear no more. <laughs> like, I didn't take no pill though, and I, I, I stopped listening to certain music. I, I listen to all Christian music now. Um, I, like I said, man, I don't put no no poison in my head because 
I know the OJC, he's in there still. Mm. So I, I got to make sure that he don't come out no more. Mm. So it, it's like I'm constantly building like this, this wall to just keep him in there. Because mm. now with my walk and everything, like I, I love God, man. And like I and it's not like I'm trying to, OK, I'm, I'm not going to swear. No, no, no. Like it's happening on its own. Mm-hmm. And that's how I know it's real because I know me. I, I've been the way that I've been since I was nine years old. So, like, I look at my whole life now, and I fast forward, and I was like, man, if I could have only did this before, how much different my life would have been. But then I'm like, nah, because then I wouldn't be able to help the people that I'm helping now. I wouldn't be the man that I am now. Because even on the plane right now, I told, I told like, 10 people about Jesus on the plane, and I was sitting there <laughs> reading my Bible, and everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. But it's because... I always tell, I, I tell the, the cop that, the, that disciples me, either they're going to pay attention to me or they're going to be too scared to not pay attention to me. Because <laughs> I still look the way that I look. Yeah. I can't change that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But it, it trips people out because they see me and they, they right away judge me because they, they think right away I'm a thug. But then I hug them and I'm like, hey, Jesus loves you. And they're like, what? What happened? <laughs> like, yeah. What happened right now? Yeah. And that's how that's how I live my life now, man. I wanna I just wanna share my faith with everybody because I, I know what it did for me and it's free. Mm. You ain't gotta pay nothing. Mm. So why wouldn't you give something a chance that could completely transform your life like that to something better when you have nothing to lose? Mm. Yeah. And I always I always say that. God gives his, well, I don't always say this. Let me not say that. But I've heard it, and I think this applies to you. God gives his 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 strongest warriors, like you had to go through something like some of the worst things to come out on this side so you can speak to more people. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot more people that are damaged that are not damaged. You know what I mean? And the only way that you can actually cut through it's saying, hey man, I've been there where you are right now. Mm-hmm. I know what I know what that feeling is. I know what that thinking is. That, and I'm telling you, hey man, this is what it looks like on the other side. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so, I think you had to go through everything that you went through in order to magnify your voice to be able to say, hey man, I went through that, but this is this is the outcome of it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, and I, I could tell that. Um, that he's really doing stuff in your life. You're going to be on TV soon. You know what I mean? Um, you was just telling me off camera that you were sitting next to a guy that's in some kind of film production. Mm-hmm. And that may come up something. Man, so. He's been opening doors, man, that would never open before. And, you know, uh, I, I tell people, as soon as I, I I changed my life and everything, everything started falling into place. My kids, my relationship with my with my family my wife even the relationship i have with my dog changed Mm. like me and him are like best friends now Uh, when i was leaving this morning he was all sad at the door i was leaving but (laughs) it it, it changed everything because i believe that god like shows you to have he taught me how to love my wife he taught me i I went i went from being uh, a complete like i was jealous i was insecure uh i was a cheater a dog uh all these things and for him to change all that and for me not to be that, like that, that I was for 40 years, 
come on, man. I, I, I tell people, let's keep it real. If you're from the streets, you want proof. What more proof do you want? Mm-hmm. I'm right here standing in front of you. Yeah. It's like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not faking it. I'm keeping it real because if, if I was faking it, you know, I would just stay with my cartel stories, keep making money. I, I would have still been doing the same thing. I just did a, 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 a local radio in Phoenix, and the guy met me before my walk. So he wanted to interview me. And he said it on the radio. He's like, you're still living in the same house. You're still driving the same car, but you're a different person. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, because I have peace in my heart. I have joy, and I'm going to try and share it with the world. And I believe that God gave me my platform for a reason. I didn't know what it was at the beginning, but I know now what my purpose is. When I went to Chicago and I spoke to the people and I seen all those dudes, like, turn their life over to God, I was like, okay, this is my purpose. This is, this is why I went through what I went through, and this is what I have to do. I have to show people how great his love is and his mercy and, and what he's doing in my life. Mm. So it's like my mission now. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up right now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out in October, October 5th, the day the show drops. Uh, pretty much a blueprint to, like, discipleship. Mm, like okay. uh, what you have to do to be spiritually fit, I call it, because um, my 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 coaching program is about spiritual, physical, emotional, and rational. Mm. Like I call them the four spears. I'm, I'm designing this whole program right now, and it's gonna be to remind men to be men again, mm. because. We, we think that we're being men because we're out there being tough, carrying guns, and it's, it's not true. A, a real man is a man that sh- has empathy, has love, sh- knows how to treat people, knows how to talk to people, loves people. That's a real man. I know that today. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, my, it's, my, uh, it's my, my mission, man, and, and my goal to get just to help as many men as I can. That's, that's my main. It's my thing. Yeah. Is that going to be something where it's like a like a four week program or a week program or is that something that you're going to do just online? My my coaching is going to be there's going to be three tiers to my coaching, but uh, you could just get the book or I could work with you. You know, it's going to build from there. The discipleship is going to be free. They'll just be able to download that from my from my Web page. That's just to tell you how to read the Bible, what to read, what books I recommend, just this, the whole spiritual background. Okay. My coaching is going to be fitness, everything, diet. Uh, I, um, I love working out, man, and it's been uh, one of my biggest, like, therapies for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to compete. I, I, I hold two state records right now. I hold a, a record in Arizona, a record in Chicago. Um, it's, it's my thing. So now it's God working out in my family. Like, I, I call it faith, faith, family, and fitness. Mm. <laughs> and mm. uh, it, it's just the way that I live my life, man, like like a soldier. Yeah. So, man, you talked about um, the Locked Up Abroad. What what uh, what can we expect on that on uh, on October 5th? It's going to be the, the full story of how I got my job with the cartel, uh, the people that were involved that got me the job when I landed in Mexico, who I worked for in Mexico, and just the whole story of, uh, they're the first show that actually showed my whole redemption, like, they're, they're gonna talk about my whole transformation, everything, um, I was on two, on two shows 
prior to that, uh, America's Most Evil Gangsters. I was on that show where they just talked about cartel stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on Dead Files uh, just because of the prison I was at. Mm-hmm. But on this show, they're going to show the whole, just the whole transformation. Mm-hmm. They, I was on the phone with them yesterday because Netflix is going to pick it up after it airs. A year later, it's going to be on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be out there. Okay, so if you don't catch it on October 5th, you have to wait a year, but it'll be on Netflix. Are you writing like a a book or a story or a script or something about your life? I'm working on my book right now. I'm actually working on my book with one of my big mentors, uh, Cavario. uh, He's written a couple of books. He's from New York, uh, Raised by Wolves. Mm. Uh, Solid dude, grew up in Harlem. His parents were big dope dealers, blah, blah, blah. It's crazy because I read his book when I was in prison, and then I met him one day when they were interviewing me. He was there, and I was like, yo, can, can you help me write my book? And he's like, yeah, I call him Pops. I call him, like, I have a lot of love for him like a dad. Mm-hmm. First uh, male figure in my life that, like, I wanted to be like. And uh, he's been working with me, and, and I admire that dude so much because he comes from the streets, but if you hear him speak... He sounds like he went to Harvard or something. I I tell him, I don't want to change who I am, but I would like to one day my vocabulary to be better because Mm. I I spoke totally different (laughs) back in the day. (laughs) Slang and all that shit. Man, Man, I just finished reading this book. Um, It was called Cry Like a Man by a guy named Jason Wilson. fucking phenomenal book man it, it was phenomenal i don't know if you've ever seen the the video but it was a um it was it's a black guy and he's a, a martial art teacher um and um he was it was a, a viral video that went where it was a little kid he wanted him to break this board and the kid was trying to like hitting it and he was I crying yeah that's the guy who wrote that and i just found that that's who he was but I read the book and it was like, man, just life changing, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Life changing about, cause I, I know as a man, I feel so weak fucking crying. You know what I'm saying? I feel weak crying, but it's like, it's, I feel like now, now that I read the book and understand like crying is just a cleansing of your yes, soul, man. Purification. Yeah. It's just a cleansing of every emotion that you're feeling just to cleanse out your I don't know, like an emotional whatever bank that you have. Yeah, man. Your your, your soul knows what to do when when it's uh, overheated. Mm. You know, and, and that's what people don't realize. And, and and men, you know, we're we're raised to not not cry, not this, not that. And man, I was like, if I wouldn't have cried for those eight months straight, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I I wouldn't be as happy as as everything i don't cry as much but i still cry Mm -hmm. because i cry more because i'm grateful i'm grateful because of everything that's happening i mean i started crying when i got on the plane because i was like man i'm going to dallas (laughs) i was like man you know this is this keeps getting better and better you know and we're gonna be back in houston in a couple weeks and and then i gotta go to abilene then we're going Mm -hmm. to florida Mm -hmm. i'm gonna end up going to south africa wow yeah i got a, a pastor friend over there so like I, I, everything is just like, so I mean, all I can do is cry about it. (laughs) Man, 
Man, <laughs> man leave your uh, leave your social media stuff, man. So people, once once all, once you get all the curriculum on October fifth, everything comes out. They can tap in with you, man. I mean, everything is wrong. Too strong. You just Google that and everything comes up. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. Everything comes up. Uh, I've I've done pretty well in the search engine. It's another thing that I learned looking at videos. You know, I pretty much branded myself and I just stuck to my guns. And, and that's my Instagram is wrong to strong. My Facebook is wrong to strong. My YouTube is wrong to strong. Pretty much, I've I've taken over that name. <laughs> yeah, good man. That's, that's good branding. Yeah, good branding. Man, I feel like there's there's only one way we can end this in this uh, show, man. If you would lead us in prayer, man. Oh man, I'd love that. Man. Yeah. Father God, thank you for for today. I, I hope that this message, this video, gets to someone that really needs to see it, hear it, and is looking for a change in their heart, Lord. I just, I ask you that you you keep using us. We're empty vessels, Lord, and just guide us and, and keep giving us wisdom and, and make us cry, make us feel what we're supposed to feel as men of God. I ask you all this in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I do shotgun prayers. <laughs> That's what no, my pastor said. I was like... When I hear people and they're praying for like half an hour straight, I'm like, all right, dude, like, come on, man. It's like, I got to go. It's like, I got work to do. JC, man, thank you for tapping in with us, man. Oh, man. Whenever, thank you man. so much, man. And I can't wait to see everything that, that goes good with you, man, all your success, man. Thank you, I can't man. wait to see it, yeah. Yo, man, this has been the Tap In Podcast, man. Thank y'all for tapping in. Gone.